We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24 seven. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. All right, there we go. One more second. Happy Father's Day, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been an amazing day. That's good. When you, when you were running late, I was like, dude. He's got he's got an excuse. Like you got you got about three days out of the year. I'll give you an excuse on running late, and this is one of them. Thank you. The other being Tim Boyle's birthday, and I'm just kidding. I mean, I was uh, your birthday, or maybe like anyone in your immediate family's birthday. But Tim Boyle, okay, so it's five then. It's about five, <laughs> six, seven, maybe then. Maybe there's more. Perfect. All right, let's jump in and uh, get started. We should be good to go. Cool. <clears throat> Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 697 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. We are inching closer to episode 700. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, joining me as well is a special guest. He is a very own member of the Here at the Pack-A-Day podcast. He is an avid Madden player, which is going to come in handy for today's discussion. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. Um, he is the one and only Matt Freilich. You usually catch him on our Tuesday episodes, but Matt, how the heck are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I just have to say, recording on Sunday, Father's Day. Again, happy Father's Day. We've got to get that on air. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I'm doing well, of course. And all the fathers out there. I know there's a lot of... We're lucky to have some fathers in our uh, Pack-A-Day deck of uh, co-hosts, but I'm doing pretty well. Uh, Nice day out. Had to actually move a piano today for my girlfriend who's moving in. That's a side story, possibly even a different (laughs) episode, but um, I'm doing fairly well. And to be honest... Andy, read your recent article you put out for all the Madden ratings. There's a few I really like that you're hypothesizing on, but I, I'm just jacked. Like, we're less than two months away from Madden. Like, as you said, I, I like Madden quite a bit, um, and that's an understatement. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I've been a uh, you know avid Madden player for the uh, for over I don't even know how long it's been now for a very long time. Um, you know, over the last few years, it's certainly become less and less as I've become more and more involved with writing about the Packers and doing the podcast and everything else that's going on. Um, but I still try to play you know when I can, even if it's a little bit less than I used to. But we're going to talk some general Madden strategy. I know for those of you who usually listen in on the Monday episodes, I know we kind of usually uh, dive or I usually dive into some sometimes with the special guests, more of the minutiae, a lot of the tape study, um, a, a lot of the hardcore, uh, you know, details of how the Packers are built and things like that. So I apologize if you're looking for that today. This is not going to be one of those episodes. This is more for fun. This is going to be more Madden ratings, some Madden strategy, some just general Madden chat, which uh, for me, I'm looking forward to. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to make it very Packers oriented as we go through what we expect some of the ratings to be. Um, I recently did an article over at Packer Report for that. So you can check the article out as well, but we're going to be, you know, hitting on quite a few of those topics today. But Matt, before we kind of jump into the Packer side of things, I just got to ask you some general Madden questions. We have to kind of go through some specific Madden strategies, some Madden memories. So let me start by asking you, what is your favorite Madden of all time? Which which iteration, which year is your favorite Madden, you know, Madden that you've ever played? Such a good question. It's so hard for me to answer, too, because it's almost like asking someone their favorite movie. Um, I'm going to give you two answers. I know that sucks, but <laughs> I look at it as far as like the next generation being like Xbox 360 and on. That game was different compared to like the PlayStation 2 and regular Xbox. So they would call that like current gen at the time, but we'll call it old gen would have been Madden 2006 with Sean Alexander with PlayStation 2 or Xbox. That was... That was my stuff. They had incorporated the hit stick in 2005, um, obviously with Ray Lewis. They actually switched a few of the controls um, the way you were actually ran in 2006 compared to 2005. It was still kind of clunky that way, but that was a really smooth game. I feel like I was able to start understanding X's and O's a little bit more, if you will. Um, sure. That, that, was, that was a good Madden for me. Uh, the team I used, if anyone actually cares, doubt anyone does, would be the Trent Green-led Kansas City Chiefs. We had Lamar, or excuse me, we had Larry Johnson, Priest Holmes in the backfield, and uh, that was a fun team. As far as newer or, uh, you know, the more updated versions of Madden, Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, and so on and so forth. I'm an Xbox One guy. That's a tough question. Like, I... I would say Madden 8 I think is the answer I want to go with but really like the cliche answer is the Madden that's the like the new one is the one I'm the favorite at because like nothing really matters before that I play with a lot of guys uh, or I have growing up like kind of competitively we were in we traveled a little bit to go to some national tournaments obviously we would have our own like side tournaments over the weekends you know when we were, you're young 16 17 throw five bucks in so uh, wherever i can get competition now is based on the current and that's obviously more online more in the competitive uh madden ultimate team scene which it's kind of a pay-to-play situation which is unfortunate for the competitive side but really it's i would say madden 2006 sean alexander cover madden 18 i forget who's on that cover but that, that was a solid one and then really i'm just always trying to get better at the current one out there and there's always you want to talk x's and o's or even just like the chess match that is offense versus defense i really am passionate about that because i think there's always just like the regular nfl there's always there's always a way to spin it you're always able to pivot even if someone else you see your opponent doing that so i just i like to be able to play the new one and um i would say right now madden i guess madden 20 for right now is my favorite madden 
I think that's fair. And I think, you know, with Madden's, like each iteration is just, you know, such slight changes over time where if you go back like five or six years and try to play one, you notice the difference. But like year by year, it's just like incremental small changes that, you know, don't really change your general gameplay or strategy a ton. Uh, but it kind of just, you know, uh, you know, evolves over time. Um, for me, Madden 04, Vic on the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, speaking of the, the, in the competition, this is where I get to humble brag. So, um, I actually, at the time they used to have the, the official Madden competitions in every 32 NFL cities, uh, all 32. And one of them was held at Lambeau field. Um, and that was the one, uh, that I actually got to play in and I actually finished in the semifinals. Um, I was, I used the Atlanta Vic led Falcons. Um, people would absolutely hate me for what I could do with Michael Vick. It was uh, a form of abuse, uh, I guess you could say. Um, that was uh, that was my most fun time playing playing Madden. And I think in Madden 04, it was actually with Vick on the cover. They tried to fix some of the things so that you couldn't just run wild with Vick. Um, and I was still able to do it, which made people even more mad. Um, but the the semifinal game, uh, I lost to a kid wearing a Vikings jersey at Lambeau Field, which was uh, beyond heartbreaking. And uh, I basically had like this, um, it was basically almost like a read option offense, which didn't exist mm-hmm. in the game. But I ran one formation and I could go, uh, I basically had three plays that I kind of ran off of. It was a power sweep right, a slant left, and then um, basically it was like a bootleg with Vic. And there was one other thing that I was able to get downfield that I don't remember. But so it was four plays. Um, and I ran those four plays. I just annihilated everyone up until that sem- semifinal game. And then uh, in the semifinal game, one play, one play I called that was not one of those four plays that I used the entire tournament. It was a uh, Texas route to Warwick Dunn, and I threw an interception on the play. It was the only time all game that neither of us scored on the drive, and that was the one uh, thing that cost me in the semifinals. He ended up winning the championship game and going on to Vegas and playing for $50,000. So... That is my that was my game Madden 04 and uh, I'm still heartbroken over the loss in the semifinals but those were those were very good times and very good memories. So Madden Madden 04 just to go quick they they put the vision cone on that because the reason being the competition that you're talking about the Madden Challenge the previous year Big Gene he was the one that basically broke the game, if you will, with Michael Vick. He had okay. it where he had these broken quarterback draws, and he's rolling out and throwing across his body and hitting, I don't know, maybe Peerless Price, maybe Brian Finneran, LG Crumpler, <laughs> who, who knows? So they, they put the vision cone on it, and that's, I think, what you're saying. They tried to dumb it down a little bit, but they're, they're I mean, to, props to you because a lot of people couldn't use Michael Vick. He was very hard to manipulate. And because of the speed and the agility and the acceleration he had, but if you're able to control him and yeah. work in a scheme, he was, he was, I mean, there's not a more dominant Madden player that I can ever remember. Um, but yeah, shout out to the Madden challenges. Those were some, those are, that's nostalgia in itself. And the fact that you even were ever a part of that, Andy, much respect. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I've lost a lot of my gaming ability since then. Um, honestly, if you want to know why I wasn't on uh, Twitter and writing and having you know blogs in 2004 and you know probably a little bit beyond that, it was because I was hacking away at Madden and that was taking all of my free time. So I pivoted. I think I made the right choice, but I still miss those days for sure. So that brings me, and it, it sounds like you've obviously done a lot with the um, you know some of the newer you know Madden challenges and things like that. But what's your favorite Madden? mode either in current Madden or, or all time that's so easy thank you for having an easier question after the first one head-to-head regular team it's yeah. the like 
it's the OG. Like, pick your squad. And, like, back then, what you're talking about, Andy, is, like, people would go through rosters, and you'd find these goons, right? You would find these Madden goons. There's I already named one of them, Brian Finneran. He was that type of guy. I mean, the list goes on and on from team to team, and that was – the the one of the fun things for me when we were going to these tournaments when we were younger was not only to see the different playbooks or plays or ways maybe you and I ran the same play Andy but the third guy runs a he runs that screenplay a little bit different that was fun to watch just to incorporate that to your own game but the cool thing was to see the rosters of how you'd manipulate them or just the teams that would come out of the woodwork I mean there's some of those teams like. Uh, I can think of the Titans were really good for a while back then. Like the Raiders have always been a good team just because, you know, Al Davis was just, you know, rest in peace, always drafting guys and signing guys that were super fast and tall and could jump. So that was a team where you would maybe manipulate a defensive backfield or receiving core or have an extra running back somehow throughout the way that you were able to kind of get the ball in their hands. So uh, really it's just, yeah, that's, I mean, it's head to head. There's no, there's no, it's, there's you can't hide behind your mom's credit card or, or your thousand dollars worth of Madden team. Like you have to play. You pick your team. I pick my team, and we just we run it. If we're picking the same team, I I'm in the boat that we play with the same team. If you like the Packers, I like the Packers. Well, I think my Packers are better, so I, I like that. Some people don't aren't aren't with that. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, there would be like there would be times where you would play online and then like they would select, you know, X team and then I would select the same team and they would like just quit. And I'd be like, why? that doesn't make any sense. Like it makes it equal. And, you know, I wasn't doing it because they picked the team. It was because I wanted to run with that team. But it always seemed weird to me. Like you're not going to like there were some people who would try to be jerks about it and select the same jersey, like the exact same jersey. So you would have like the Chiefs versus the Chiefs and you'd both be wearing the home jersey and it was just a nightmare to play um so there'd be those that would be frustrating but what a, what a subtle what a subtle form of communication if you don't have both have a headset you're just like i'm gonna pick the same jersey just so you know this isn't working out for me like just so what a weird thing yeah exactly um so that was one thing i wanted to you know go back to a couple things you said so i i know you played all ultimate teams i've never been able to get an ultimate teams i'm i'm 100 with you i like the head-to-head just pick your team and let's battle it out um, I also have liked more recently the last couple of years and some of the, the modes where you just get to like do what, like a, I don't know, like a four or five round draft of certain players. And then you sure. kind of have your base team. I've enjoyed doing that because the draft is addicting. And then like, as soon as you lose, then you get to draft the team over and then, you know, it starts the whole thing again, which is fun and it kind of sucks you right back in. So um, I enjoy doing that a little bit, but I'm still more of a traditionalist where I like going head to head. I finally, I just started playing a little bit again. And what's the more, the most recent mode where you get to draft? Is it like knockout or something? I forget what the so name is. Uh, that's, I think it's called gauntlet, but gauntlet. Wait, or, yeah, is it it something like that. good name too, but it's, it's one of those. And I think this is the first year they had, maybe it was last year, but that's a fun one. I've heard more people say that. I know Dan Kotnick, uh, obviously co-host of, uh, Pack a day podcast as well. He's a fan of that as well. It's gauntlet. I know it's gauntlet. Yeah. Uh, I, I I've dabbled. I think it's fun to abuse certain things. Like I I will take something from a game that I was playing. Maybe I saw that someone was really really good. Put it in a gauntlet setup or a gauntlet draft and just like abuse the heck out of it for eleven plays straight and score a touchdown. 
I just laugh. Ha ha ha. Outside of that, like it's 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 kind of cool because you can also try out a bunch of different players that you maybe normally would. They have the legend guys. They have some of the really great superstars. So that's that's pretty sweet in that mode, too. So it's that's a really good mode just to like I, I see what they did. It's like an arcade version where you're just like, I'm going to pick up the controller. I don't need to. It's going to find a game quick. I can finish a game in five minutes if I score a touchdown first and stop him. It's basically just like an overtime. So it's very, very yeah. fast and you can crank through a bunch of games if you want. Yeah, it also gives you the ability to sharpen up on some of your like, um, you know, must have situations, your red zone offense, your red zone defense, like things like that. You have the ability to really kind of sharpen in on as well. But um, so I've enjoyed that mode. And then going back to what you said about some of those Raider teams with super speed, those were always my kryptonite. If like somebody online picked the Raiders, I knew I was going to be in for a lot, like usually a long game because um, it was always people who were really great at vertical passing games using the speed to the outside, um, which was always my kryptonite when I was younger. Um, so I, those were always the team, like in some of those Raider teams, by the way, were really bad. Like they would be like 71, 72 overall. And I would be running with a decent team. You know, I'm, I was not the person that always just picked the best team. Like I always like the challenge of, you know, playing with different teams, but like some of those Raider teams are awful, but they had just insane speed. And those always gave me just, you know, massive headaches. Totally. I totally agree. It like speed kills and Madden. Like it's really yep. like, I've gone back for years and like, like I'm saying, like when head to head used to be a bigger thing, we would bunch of bunch of our buddies before we were adults and you know, we were only in high school. So like we could, we were, we were figuring out still like we had more time on our hands and we would, a few of us would go through rosters uh, almost habitually and look at, see who the fastest, maybe receivers, cornerbacks, linebackers were very important, still are. Cause you used to be able to, as they call lurk with a linebacker, cover multiple parts of the field on defense, but Speed kills in Madden. Jumping, catching, height. Uh, sometimes if you're even shorter, like a Tariq Cohen, the first year, his rookie year, he was really, really good just because it's tough to tough to get a hand on a guy that's that small. So there's just weird intricacies of Madden that that's I always love it because there's always there's more layers. There's always yeah. something more. It's not just like, oh, Patriots versus Bengals. Like, well, of course the Patriots are gonna it's like, well, you might not know about XYZ cornerback or receiver or running back for the Bengals and there's you know, what have you. So that's that's the part there there's just that underlying stuff, just like in regular football that you have to kind of look at and um always try to get an advantage of. All right, next question. You win or you know, you win the opening toss. Are you kicking or are you receiving? Kick every day of the week. So here's where we differ. I, I'm a receiving 100%. So I want to hear your reasoning why, first of all. Double dip the chip. You want to score at the end of the first half, and you want to get the ball in the second half and at least get points. So right there, you're flipping the field. And I haven't heard that term until this year, double dip the chip. Like, I, maybe that's a thing, but that was uh, Rico Williams is one of the OGs in the Madden scene. He used to play competitively. He did announcing for a while. He's found different um, ventures since then with EA in the last year. But he, uh, I think he coined that, maybe one of his co-hosts uh, on the anchor desk. But you have to you have to kick the ball because if you get the stop right away, that's huge. If you stop him even to three, that's huge. Worst case scenario, they score seven, but you get the ball back. But you at least know if you can manipulate the clock at the end of the first half and then getting the ball back. Like even if you kick three points at the end of the first half, you're still getting the ball. Like there's just so many, there's so many advantages to kicking that – I, and like personally, like I want I want the pressure on the guy with the ball first. Like I feel like that's a lot of pressure to come out and like have to call the first play of the game, like have to get the first down. Where like after you've been on defense a little bit, your fit, thumbs are a little warmed up. You're able to kind of maneuver a little bit with your uh, your user player. And I just think getting the ball first is a disadvantage. 
So here's here's where I'm a million percent in disagreement. So first of all, let me start by saying general football philosophy. I am a million percent on you kick first, you wait till second half and, and getting to receive the football for exactly the reason that you said. Um, the ability to potentially uh, end the ball or you know end the half with the ball and then get it in the second half is a, a huge potential advantage. However, in Madden, here's why I always receive and I've had huge success with it when playing online. So. Um, first of all, I think that when you are having your first drive on offense, um, you, whether, you know, matter what, whether it's your first drive, or even if you got the ball second and it's your first drive on offense, you have to me in a major advantage because the person that you're playing has no idea what you're bringing to the table. They don't know if you are a power run offense. They don't know if you're a spread offense. They, they don't know what the heck is coming. So I feel like I have a huge advantage that uh, I'm going to be able to run my best stuff right away and, uh, pr- probably catch this person off guard and score a touchdown before they know it hit them. Now, the the reason that I love this strategy, and usually I was I was more often than not able to score on my first drive. Um, I'll get to my strategy on, on two point conversion in a second. But what happened, whether I, I got just the one point or the two point conversion, whatever, when I scored that touchdown first it immediately put the other person on tilt. Like they did not run the ball as often. They did not feel comfortable just kind of going general offense. Like they came out passing and I knew they were going to come out passing because they felt like they had to match me immediately because I just ran it right down their throat and scored a touchdown. And now they feel like they have to get that back. And if they even just score a field goal, like they feel like they're so behind the eight ball. So they're pressing from the word go and I can play pass heavy defense. I know they're going to throw it. And uh, more often than not, I'm correct in that assumption. Um, and because of that, I can the, can pare down um, what I'm expecting for them uh, on the offensive side and what I can do defensively. And usually now I'm able to stop them. And now all of a sudden I have a massive, massive foothold in the game that usually I'm not relinquishing. Um, and above and beyond that, Um, What I really focused on, again, this is going back to when I was actually good at this, but um, I usually had a two point play that worked, you know, 99.9% of the time that would, you know, massively catch them off guard and they, they wouldn't see coming. Um, and because of that, I would usually be able to go up eight to nothing. And even if they scored a touchdown, um, I was usually able to hold them on their two point attempt. So, which made it eight to six. And if I scored a touchdown on the following drive, all I had to do was kick the extra point. And now I had a two score advantage with each of us scoring a touchdown on our first drive. So, um, that first, you know, those first few drives in the game is where I was able to really just immediately take advantage, put them on tilt and most of the time never look back. And, uh, that was, that was my overall strategy with it love the aggressiveness and i love the thoughtfulness of the multiple possessions of how you're going to stack that aggressiveness fantastic but i have one question when you're playing in the competitive scene you're talking about the madden challenge you played got to the semifinals which is fantastic you and i both know before you get to round robin it's two minute quarters yeah were you still kicking off or were you taking the ball back then Taking the ball. And usually what I was, then in in that situation, what I was trying to make sure that I did is uh, in those situations is I would try to take the full half, uh, make sure that I didn't, I didn't allow any time left. Um, I was going to score a touchdown with no time remaining in the half. Um, And then honestly, um, I don't know how many times I actually did this or needed to do this, but um, I even uh, a couple times I know for sure would kick onside kick to start the second half. Um, and it wasn't necessarily to try to recover it. It was just that if they were going to score a touchdown, then I was for sure going to get the ball back and have time to score. And I was going to get two possessions to their one. Um, so there was a strategy there as well. I love that. That's awesome. I, yeah. I, oh, man. Just just to like like you're saying, like shorten the field, 
keep more time on the clock. That's people sometimes like you'll do that. And I've done it before, too, where it's like maybe early on. I'm not saying in the first half by no means unless I'm really getting my butt kicked. But early on in the first, like in the second half, like you're saying to start it, like I'm just trying to save time and let you possibly take three points. And I'm OK with that. I love I love that element. Some people think it's just straight possession, but there's there's other levels to the uh, the onside kick in in a Madden game for sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. No, those are all things that I love about it. And that's how the, you know, deep the strategy can get in, especially with some of those certain, you know, um, you know, strategies that you have to put in play because of time and two minute quarters and things like that. It just absolutely changes everything. All right. So let's move forward. I know you mentioned your favorite team of all time to run with, but is there a general team? You know, I'm sure the Packers come up quite often, but is there a general team that you like to run with overall? Did I say my favorite team of all time? I thought you said there was a, a I, I don't even remember what no, you said. No, you're okay. No, but was it, I thought, I don't know. I thought you said a Chiefs team or something, but it may, I well, don't know. Well, the Chiefs, that was the, that was the team I ran. I don't really have a favorite team of all time, honestly. Okay. Like, it's, it's um, whichever team I feel like I can exploit people more with. Like, this, the last two years has been the Seahawks. Uh, three years ago, it was the Vikings, which... In real life, I hate both those teams, and, yeah. the, and I mean, and I mean hate. Like I try to use that word, not loose. Like it's, I, I dislike the Vikings and the Seahawks, but they're just really good. They were really good in the video game. So, uh, it's really, I don't have a favorite team of all time. Like it's, I like to, I did like, you know, the the Falcons teams. I've always liked the Raiders teams up until late. They haven't been the same, obviously, just because you know Al Davis is passing and. Um, like Mayak taking over, what have you. So it's a different different system. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm cool with whatever team. I usually I'm usually a loyalist. Like it'll take me a few weeks, maybe a month or two, to settle into the right team. Like I started this year with the Browns because I'll start going through the rosters early on, like this time of the year, and looking at them and seeing maybe who are the new free agents, who are the new draft class. Uh, if there's anyone that might get a huge boost from a year to year, doesn't happen a ton. But yeah, there's, I mean, the Browns were fun to start with the year. Baker Mayfield was a, just suspect. Like he could not get the ball into Jarvis or Odell Beckham's hands. And that was a problem, but, uh, and defensively they're a little, little shaky, but there's always, there's always, there's always teams. I feel like there's a lot of teams now, even that are still usable. No, not a lot of teams look at. I feel like there's even some of the worst teams, like you go look at the Dolphins right now, the Bengals, and they still have usable players on that team. They might not be the best but you could still use them. And um, I feel like they're at some point the the developers were like, hey, we're going to make every team almost usable if you know how to use them right. Obviously, you're going to have an issue if there's certain position groups you're not having you know, success with, offensive line being one quarterback play. But there's most oftentimes there's a there's all teams are reusable, in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's my take as well. I, I generally like to go through and try to play with all different teams. Um, generally, when I'm first starting, I love to have a mo- mobile quarterback because while I'm still learning the nuances of the new game and some of the different passing you know aspects and what plays are going to be successful, having that ability to take off and run and kind of win that way as well gives me a second option and usually allows me to win some games before I've really kind of mastered the passing concepts of that specific game. Um, so that definitely gives me um, you know some fluidity there. But uh, overall, I, I like using all the different teams, using different players. Also, this is one of the really weird things for me, but like I legitimately have had times where like, 
I can tell which teams are going to be really good in real life by playing with the team in Madden because you can tell um, some of the like just some of the traits that they have, some of the things that you're able to be successful with, um, some of the the tools that are you know accessible to you on offense, what things open up. Like for for some reason, I've had um, success like when I'm playing with them. If there's a, a team that all of a sudden I forget which team it was, I think it was I think it was the Redskins team when RG3 was a rookie mm-hmm. and they were they were not expected to be good, and I was playing with that team before the season started on Madden and I just it felt really good it felt clean to play with I had I think it was like Santana Moss I'd have to go back and look but like they had the weapons that I felt like the team needed to be successful and I kind of predicted them to do well and just kind of playing with different teams gives you a, a different mindset into the, some of the things that that team might actually like to do when they're in the regular season absolutely the only uh, the only time I, this year I noticed that it, that wouldn't be the case was the Browns again back to them like on paper, when you simulate stuff with them in franchise mode and whatever, super good. And on paper, but just like it obviously didn't, you know, translate to the field this year. But uh, generally, the teams that have the talent are going to be good in real life. That's just kind of common sense. If you have a better overall, you're going to be better. There are, you know, those instances. But it's Madden's a pretty darn good threshold of uh, how team a team will fare throughout the season you know, week to week. And it's also cool now in the last few years, the way they update the game, Andy, where they're able to add new formations, plays, what have you. So you're actually able to even see more realistic offense versus defense or vice versa of what actually would happen in a week to week basis. Yeah. They've gotten a lot better at that throughout the years. All right, let's go one more. What, what's your general Madden strategy? Are you a run heavy? Are you a pass offense? Are you try to keep it flexible? What's your defensive strategy? Like what are you looking for from a team and what's your, what's your general uh, attacking mindset? Holy cow. Great question. So you have to understand what the meta is. So people that don't know what that means, meta traditionally just means what's the top, uh, I guess, skill or knowledge or attribute type. I guess if that's the best way I could describe without looking at uh, a dictionary. So basically every year you want to understand what the meta is. This year the meta was running the ball a lot. And then when you think you need to pass, still run the ball again. Uh, which was good and bad for the Madden scene. It's cool to, you know, it, it's, it makes, it made it easier for the casual fan or player to, in my opinion, be good because it doesn't take a lot of decision-making or strategy when you're having to run the ball. Uh, you basically cycle in between a few run plays and go that way. Uh, defensively, it was basically edge blitzing with your cornerbacks, uh, predominantly nickelback or dimebacker. Uh, that was has been actually the uh, top blitzing strategy for the last, I would say, two, three years. It's uh, generally like a one, four, six dime blitz off the edge or some variants of that if you want to go with two, three, six dime. Uh, you know, three, four is great to stop the run this year, which a lot of people have went back to. So kind of goes back to early in the podcast. So I'm just saying where just because there's something that's working effectively doesn't mean there's a... Um, you know, a counter to that. And the three, four, there's a few blitzes this year, but to answer your question, generally I try to stay as balanced as possible. You mentioned earlier when you try to get the ball first and go up eight points, which is a great strategy. I I would be that person getting the ball after you score right away in your first possession. I would be that person throwing the ball more often. So I try to stay balanced as much as possible year to year. A lot of the same run plays work well, or not work well, but there's a group of them that work well. So maybe it's more of inside zone that works well compared to maybe a year where it's more of a sweep or a pitch that works well. 
Uh, you can kind of filter in between those. A lot of the pass plays are similar. Uh, you have to, again, mobile quarterbacks huge, like you mentioned. That's why I love Russell Wilson. You're able to get outside the pocket. And I expect it to happen a lot more in Madden 21, especially with Lamar Jackson on the cover. Usually they tor- play towards that person and kind of, I guess, uh, give them even more superpower, even though this year we had that with a superstar mode and the, all the attributes that way. But try to keep it balanced as possible. I'm really not... Uh, if, if the run's working and I can see that's working, well, I'm going to keep pounding it. I'm going to set up for a pass. On the reverse side, if I see the pass is working, I'm going to spread you out, maybe hit you up the gut with a draw or a, you know, this is a spread set maybe from shotgun four wide and, you know, hit you up the middle. So I'm just trying to basic, I'm usually just reading the defense, defensive line and playing off of that. And then also trying to see what player they're using and even further seeing where the safeties line up. So defensively, far less uh, I guess long-winded. I go from man, zone, and blitz, and it's not in that order. It could be three blitzes in a row, but I know the certain blitzes that are going to get there. I know personally what with now that I have progressed in my Madden repertoire, I don't use the linebacker anymore. The last few years, the linebacker hasn't been that great, especially this year. They kind of toned down how crazy you can get with a linebacker as far as his jumping ability, his reacting to a ball over his head. So I transitioned back to a safety more or even an inside uh, cornerback. But really, I'm just trying to take away one side of the field with my user uh, DB and then maybe exploit the opposite side of the field with a blitz. But really, defense is just like keeping you on your toes if you're on the offense. I, I'm i going to shut down what I think you're good at if that's the run or the pass, and then I'm going to even try to zero in on certain uh, gaps or certain zones on the field that I think I can attack or can prevent you from attacking. So really, I, I, um, I try to see what's working in the Madden community as a whole, whether that's watching Twitch streams, whether that's watching, you know, Twitter interactions between people. There's a lot of content out there if you're trying to be good at Madden. Uh, I'm not going to plug any of those, but there's a ton of that resource out there if you want to invest the time and small, small amount of money. But you have to understand what's working in the game, adapt to that, generally run some of that for a while until there's a new wave that is. But uh, really, really just trying to stay ahead of the curve if that's even possible with these some of these kids, man, Andy. I mean, they're you're talking about writing blogs, recording podcasts, being a father, being a husband, having a full time job. I mean, there's kids that that they trade all that for learning the the best three four blitz uh, to get to a, a you know an empty set. It's it's tough to compete these days. Yeah, very much. I mean, that was me. You know, that was me at that age in high school and in early college, and uh, probably even a little bit past that. Uh, probably up until the point I had kids. Um, I mean, I would hack away at that stuff. And I think the best way to learn is playing online because um, you learn what exploits, you know, uh, what, you know, gets you beat. And then you try to pick up on those things and, um, you know, make them a, a part of your offense. And then and the, the the strategy that goes on in that is unbelievable. And it was one of my favorite things to do. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's so much that goes into that. And it's so incredibly fun. Um, you know, for me, I, I'm definitely more when I'm when I'm going well, I'm definitely much more balanced. But um, I, I'm definitely five wide spread it out. I usually have a man beater to the left, a zone beater to the right. Um, and I'm going to beat you one way or the other. If you're blitzing, I'm going to pick you apart. Um, that's generally my philosophy. And uh, there's there's kind of one play that can stop me out of my five wide formation. And if you don't know that one play, um, you're in big trouble. And I usually like to have some mobility at the quarterback position um, where even if you're picking that play, I have the ability to beat you in the open field with my quarterback. So um, it, it definitely makes it where if you pick zone man um, or you know even if you pick the one play, you're, you're gonna be in trouble. 
Um, and then on the defensive side, again, this is, you know, back in the day when I was going well, I would do everything in my power to, to do, to, to find a blitz that would get home, um, with, you know, either three or four people and, uh, would get there within about, you know, two seconds or less. That was just going to put immense pressure on you. And, you know, every year there was something different. There was one year where I had a blitz out of quarters defense that just nobody was able to stop and it would get there and it would get home immediately. And when you have, when you have that ability to get pressure and you have that ability to get there right away, um, it just changes absolutely everything for the offense. And, you know, usually if you're running it correctly, especially from a blitzing standpoint, it can be something that's effective against both the run and the pass. Um, so I, I would spend, um, you know, the first couple, you know, the first month about uh, of the game trying to figure out something that I could manipulate the offensive line, their offensive line so that I would get a free rusher or something that was going to open up where I was going to be able to get immediate pressure on you in some capacity while still having, um, you know, the coverage that I need to be successful on the back end. And if I could figure that out, and sometimes it took longer, sometimes it took shorter. Um, if I could figure that out, you were going to be in big trouble. And then it was really mastering uh, specifically the red zones and the two point conversion plays, because so much of it comes down to that as well. Um, back in the day, they had a uh, I think it was actually a Packers formation that they had the the five linebackers with the one defensive lineman um, and the the five defensive backs. I ran a, a two point defense out of that that yeah, I don't think anyone ever figured out. Um, and then offensively, I've I've had a, a variety of different things throughout the years that have been successful. Um, but if if I can figure out those things and just pick up, it was it was basically like a series of figuring out. And I've had my basically my same offensive structure since like literally. 2004 or whatever. And it's almost worked to a T every single year. So I usually need to make a couple quick adjustments to that, make sure I've got some play that's going to be able to pick up a third and 15, third and 18, something like that in a, in a clutch situation. Um, so it's kind of putting together specific situations and plays that are going to, you know, work, you know, 90% of the time. Um, and then on defense, same thing, you know, figuring out that blitz and then figuring out uh, red zone defense to, you know, um, and two point conversion defense and things like that. And just mastering those specific skill sets. And once you figure those things out, then you have a full game plan. And to an extent, no matter what gets thrown at you, there's always curveballs that you're going to have to learn from and and try to figure out. Um there was one there was one person who had a blitz that the only the only thing that like I tried every formation possible and literally the only way I could get a pass off is if I did a fake punt that was the only way <laughs> Um, and it actually worked like his, that was his one vulnerability on the defense. I lost the game cause I didn't figure it out until like the second half. And it was too late at that point, but um, he kept calling the same play over and over. And in a fake punt, I could complete it on him. Like that's the weird strategy that exists. And uh, that's why I love the game so damn much. Wow. Fake punt. I was thinking, I honestly thought you were just going to say goal line and like send one guy out, but couple things, man. You, you're talking about having that blitz in like nano blitz. Like that's what they called it. And they, they don't call it that anymore, but like PS2, Xbox, that's what it was called. It was a nano blitz. Like you, your quarterback would basically be able to get off a three, five step drop, not likely and have to get the ball out of his hands. And like you said, three to four people you'd want to have off the edge or up the middle to blow up a gap. And that's that is really what com it comes down to in Madden. Not a lot of people are able to make a read out of a five wide set, like you're saying, to you know dot up a defense. And the the second thing, one five five, that's the defense you're talking about. One five five prowl or one five five, that brought back memories. That used to be a huge <laughs> defense that was yeah. very you could manipulate a lot of stuff. There was 
yeah, that that's a good one. That's a good. I would say the new one five five is like, um, well, I guess one four six. It's kind of the same way, but you're yeah. able to bring. It's usually consistent edge pressure. You're not able to bring pressure in that defense where you could bring it up in in gaps and off the edge. But dang, those both those items, nano blitz one five five. That is that's how I know you are a, a true Madden uh, <laughs> player, Andy. That's awesome. I was at one point. I can't claim it anymore, but I, I can still talk the talk at least a little bit, I guess. Maybe not the exact terminology, but um, at least knew what I was kind of doing to an extent. So we we blew through 37 minutes of this without even getting to Packer ratings. And I'm sure you and I could go on uh, Madden tangents for at least another 37, mm-hmm. if not uh, quite a bit longer than that. But let's go some of these Packer ratings. Um, I did an article again on Packer Report. Uh, what I predicted the Packer ratings to be. We'll just go quickly position by position. Um, Matt, I'll let you pick apart anything you're not too happy with. Um, But I'll start with quarterback. Um, At quarterback, I had Aaron Rodgers as a 90, Jordan Love as a 70, and Tim Boyle as a 62. Um, Any any major trepidation or any you know major things that you want to pick apart there? Maybe I'm biased, but I feel like Aaron Rodgers. You in your article specifically, great article by the way. But you you pointed out how he flirted with the 88, 89 overall. In no capacity should Aaron Rodgers be below a 90. Honestly, if he's not above a 93, like that's a disgrace and He's just that talented, and he should be recognized that in a virtual video game. But that's the only issue I have. Uh, I thought you would have Tim Boyle possibly above Jordan Love, just with um, you know your your fandom <laughs> of him. But that didn't happen, so that's okay. I'm I'm okay with everything else besides Aaron Rodgers' disrespect. Yeah. So the, my again, I, I should start off by saying these are not what I would have as Madden ratings. These are my predictions for what they will be. So True. my reason for the the Rodgers rating was. Um, he launched at a 90 last season. He peaked at a, at a 91 during weeks eight through 14. Um, he had three weeks um, in which he was an 88 overall, and he fluctuated between 88, 89, 90, 91 throughout the entire course of the season. So um, I think he finished as a, yeah he finished as an 89. I still think you know just off of name recognition and like you said, just the fact that he deserves to be a 90 or better. I think he's going to get a 90, but I, my guess is he's going to launch at the same spot he was a season ago. All right, let's go to running back. Um, I have Aaron Jones as an 88, Jamal Williams as a 76, A.J. Dillon as a 72, Tyler Irvin as a 67, and Dexter Williams as a 65. Any thoughts there? I like the A.J. Dillon love. I feel like he would have been a little lower, uh, and I look for Jamal Williams to creep in that 80 range and possibly give two running backs for the Packers to be in the 80, and maybe Aaron Jones will even sniff the 90s, but... um. I, li- I like the talent they have back there, and I think that's a that's a fair prediction. Yeah, so Jones peaked at a, as an 88 a season ago uh, during weeks 11 through 13. He ended as an 87. I definitely think he's worth an 88. I don't know that they'll bump him to a 90 yet, but hopefully he gets there to the course of the season. For A.J. Dillon, I thought it was one of the more easy potential predictions. So he was drafted 62nd overall. Um, last year, Miles Sanders and Daryl Henderson were drafted 53rd and 70th, respectively. So Dylan fell right in the middle of those two. Both of those two were ranked exactly 72 overall. An actual pick 62 is Andy Isabella. He launched as a 72 overall. So the person who was selected at that pick and the two running backs selected right around him a season ago were all 72 overall. So 72 overall seems very fair for A.J. Dillon. Totally um, agree. Yeah, let's go to fullback, who I don't think they should have one on their roster. I think Josiah DeGuerra should be a tight end, but 
Madden loves to fill that spot, and I have just a feeling that they're going to fill that spot with Josiah DeGuerra. Um, I put him as a 68. Um, if you were looking for players selected in similar spots last year, uh, Cahill Waring, the tight end, was graded 70 overall, and Dawson Knox was 68 overall. Um, those were the two tight ends selected on either side. Um, tough to sell, you know, what Josiah DeGuerra would be as a fullback, so maybe that could fluctuate a little bit up or down, but I have him as a 68 overall and in that fullback slot. It's I like that you put him there. Uh, you know, personally, big fullback guy. I know it's 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 a falling breed, but it makes sense for him to be <clears throat> for him to be there. I don't see anyone else that's on the roster that would fill into that fullback spot. And like you said in the article, you pointed out perfectly that generally they just fill it with whoever. Uh, maybe it's not a running back. It's generally a tight end. But I don't know. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll sign a, a fullback. I'd like to see them have one of those. You know, John Kuhn. Uh, Aaron Ripkowski type fullbacks, Danny Vitale. Dang it, I wish he was there. But they got it would be nice for them to have a traditional fullback on the roster. But maybe maybe you know the times are changing, as they say. They really missed out on not getting Alec Ingold as an undrafted free agent. You have to think you would have signed in Green Bay if they would have made him any reasonable offer. And not doing that just seems so weird. But what, I digress. Actually, but honestly, good for him. He, yeah, was yeah, a, sure. he was a pro bowler, wasn't he, this year? Or at least like close to it? Or that, maybe that's completely wrong. But he had a fantastic. Let's just not say he was a pro bowler. He had a fantastic year with the backfield, um, with Jacobs and him back there in Oakland. I don't think he would have nearly as productive his year, but shout out Alec Ingold, pride of uh, Bayport. Yeah, absolutely. Good for him. I, I'm 100% in agreement there. Uh, let's move to wide receiver. I have Devontae Adams as a 94, Devin Funches as a 77, Alan Lazard as a 75, MVS as a 72, Jake Kumaro as a 70, EQ as a 67, and Reggie Begleton as a 60. We'll see if Begleton makes the roster. They're usually not too high on CFL guys uh, coming over. Uh, Funches finished as a 79. I moved him down just a little bit based on him being out a season ago. Adams, Kumaro, and EQ all stayed the same. Um, I, Alan Lazard is the one that I really bumped up. He, he finished the last season as a 70 overall. So in all likelihood, he's probably closer to that, but I bumped him up to a 75. I think he's more deserving, especially after he came on the podcast, I should probably bump that up to like a 90. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of where I stood with the wide receivers. Wide receivers. I think you nailed it. Honestly, the only one, like you mentioned, Alan Lazard seemed a little high. And I think that maybe gives me insight to how you feel about Alan Lazard, which, I, that's awesome. Like I, I, again, I think you crushed this. The, the Alan Lazard is like, man, he could actually work his way into the eighties. And I just think I, I'm, I'm fond of how the receiver lineup is actually working out. And I was in the camp of, you know, sign another guy or draft another guy, but I, I like it. And I think this is actually one of the best ones you did for position groups. Thank you. I appreciate that. So let's go to ones that you can hopefully tear me apart on. Let's go to uh, tight end. I have Mercedes Lewis as a 78, Jay Sternberger as a 75, Tanyan as a 67, and Hunter Bradley as a 39. For those who don't know, they like to put long snappers at the tight end position uh, for some reason. So I have him on there. Um, Sternberger had a, a you know fairly significant jump from 71 to 75. Um, likely he's maybe a little bit lower than the 75, but I think he has some pretty high you know preseason expectations. A lot of people expect him to make a pretty serious jump. So maybe he gets a little bit of love there. Um, I don't think Mercedes Lewis will go down too much. You know, he's basically the same guy he's been for the last three, four years now. So I, I kind of see him staying the same, but anything you disagree with here? Not really. Uh, seeing Hunter Bradley at a 39 makes me wish I could hit a 39 on nine holes of golf. That's basically <laughs> the only thing it does for me that way. Jay Sternberger, a lot of hype over the off season. 
I, I hope he uh, is that dynamic threat that the Packers want at the tight end position and pairing him with Mercedes Lewis, the the veteran, uh, you know, as a as a run blocker essentially, and he'll dabble in the receiving game. I I I like this one too. It sucks to see Tanyan kind of slipping further and further because in Madden he's generally kind of quick, which was nice to have him on the field. But 67 overall probably doesn't have other good ratings, uh, route running, catching, etc. So sucks to see him start slipping on the list here. Yeah, you'd like to see him get up to a 70. It would certainly help from a Madden standpoint. Um, I don't know about you, but 70 is the like Mendoza line. Um, like if anyone's a 70 or better, I'm cool with you. Like I can I can win with you in Madden. As soon as you dip below 70, I have to figure out a way to somehow hide you or you know replace you. That's that's my Mendoza line in Madden. I think that's fair. I agree with that completely. Like unless you're some crazy speed guy that I'm just gonna have you maybe as my slot receiver or slot corner or whatever and you're in the 60s maybe you get a pass but 70s i would say that's the official andy herman line of of madden quick quick digression my buddy and i just did a online madden franchise and we did a fantasy draft um and as i mentioned running quarterbacks are sort of my thing and i drafted lamar jackson and on the very first drive of the franchise he tears i forget what he tore but he's out for the entire season um and i did not have any anything um put into the backup quarterback position um so i legitimately moved braxton miller from wide receiver to quarterback and proceeded to make it to the super bowl uh before my buddy uh beat me because i (laughs) could not throw the ball and he knew to shut me down in in the Super Bowl playing with Braxton Miller. Um, but uh, just getting to the Super Bowl playing on all Madden with Braxton Miller at quarterback was my my highlight of this last Madden season. That's awesome. Just the fact that you can change positions to in French end mode. That's fantastic. <laughs> I I'm concerned when that game took place that he was injured because if it was once the cover was released, I feel like that just foresight to what could become for Lamar Jackson. But um, shout out Braxton Miller. It just one of those weapons. I love versatile guys. That's that's awesome. You're able to move him back there. What's it, what was his speed? Um, I don't Do you know. I think you, I'm assuming he was in the 90s, like low yeah. 90s or something. Oh, yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe high 80s, but I think it was low, like 90 or 91. That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was fun. Uh, it was it was a it was a crazy season, but we got to the Super Bowl. Um, and yeah, that was the main thing. All right, I digress. I, I apologize. So let's go to offensive line. I have David Bakhtiari as a 96. Um, Elton Jenkins might be the one I wish I had back. I moved him up to an 84. He finished as a 79. I think I might be a little bit wishful thinking here. My guess is he's maybe more of like an 80, 81 if I if I thought about it a little bit further. But I, I was a little trigger happy with the grading here. Uh, but I put him as an 84. Uh, Corey Lindsley, 78, which is what he ended at. Rick Wagner is a 76. Same thing. I did bump Lane Taylor up to a 70. I feel like he should reach that Mendoza line. We'll see. Uh, Billy Turner, they've never had any respect for. Um, so I think he finished as like a 66. And uh, I did bump him up um, a little bit uh, to a 68, but um, they've just had no respect for him. John Runyon, 65. I, th- I feel like he might get a little bit of name recognition. Simon Stepaniak, 61. Jake Hansen, 60. Lucas Patrick, 58. Yash Nijman, 56. John Leglue, 54. Alex Light, 52. And Cole Madison, 51. Lots to pick apart here. Elton Jenkins, 84. That's awesome. I think you're right in that 80, 81 range, and I'm excited to see where they actually have him rank because there's a lot of uh, fluidity there. Like he could go up, down. You know, 79 seems pretty basic at his floor. You're right. Billy Turner, what the hell? Like, he never gets any love. He's always low for some reason. It doesn't make sense. Uh, Rick Wagner, 76. That's I guess that's fair. I've always thought I, – I was hoping – 
you know, I've done some simulations myself and franchise modes, and Rick Wagner's just not as high as I'd like to see him because I thought he was going to be a better player. But um, overall, pretty solid. As you mentioned also in the article, like how many of these guys will actually be on the roster because that's a on the actual Madden roster. That's a ton of dudes to have on there. So we'll see. Cole Madison, 51. I mean, at least he's there. That's just came to yeah. play. So these were all guys that were actually on the game last year, which usually if you were on the game last year, they're not going to like delete you off. Um, but uh, they obviously drafted three more guys, which I think all six, all the six round picks will be in the game. Uh, but maybe like a guy like John LeGlue ends up, you know, hanging out in the free agency pool rather than on the team, just because 14 offensive linemen is a lot to open the game with. But uh, we shall see. Uh, let's jump over to defensive line. Kenny Clark as a 90. Dean Lowry, I moved down to a 71 from a 75. Uh, Trayvon Hester, 69. Tyler Lancaster, 68. Kingsley Kiki, 66. And Montrevious Adams, 64. I didn't have a lot of love for the defensive line here. I mean, what? It's tough to love when there's not a lot of talent. Like I, I it's, it's we're not we're not here for a sympathy party. Like Kenny Clark, ninety, I'm cool with that, and everyone else. Like I, it just kind of reiterates the fact that I wish they would have signed a legitimate free agent. No disrespect to Trayvon Hester, but if the highlight of your, you know career is blocking a kick to, to result in a double doink not really what i'm you know super jazzed about so it's pretty much what it should be it they haven't addressed it there's young talent Let's see what they can work with it but outside of that it's kenny clark and everybody else again and if you're running with this team in Madden, probably best to do Kenny Clark and like a Rashawn Gary on the inside with Preston and Zadarius on the outside. Probably better success with that anyway. So you can probably get away with that. Um, speaking of edge rushers, Zadarius Smith I have as a 90. Um, he finished as an 88 a season ago. Preston Smith an 84. Rashawn Gary a 72. Tim Williams a 66. And Jonathan Garvin a 61. I flirted with putting uh, Tipa on there as well. I just don't know how many undrafted free agents guys they're going to put on here. But um, those are the five that I went with. I like it. It's not bad. Tim Williams, I'm kind of excited to see what he does this year. I had a hypothesis of a 11-man defense. I tweeted out a few months ago, it feels like. And I just, Tim Williams is one of those guys. He's played on the Ravens. I feel like he's decent. Like, he just said, there's a nose for the ball. We'll see. But I really, Sean Gary, I have high hopes for. You said it fantastic, too, Andy. That Feel free if someone's listening, trying to get tips right now. Put Rayshon Gary as the opposite side defensive end from Kenny Clark. Maybe put Kenny Clark at nose tackle and put, you know, another speed guy on the edge. There's the cool thing about Madden is you can get away with kind of being aggressive with certain lineups within the front seven, but I like it. I look for, uh, I'm going to say, I look for uh, Preston Smith to kind of climb towards that, that 90 spot in 20, I guess, was it 20, well, 2020 season, 2021 game. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, linebacker, I kept Christian Kirksey as a 75. Uh, Kamal Martin, I put as a 65. And then really the other guys stayed the same. Um, Oren Burke, 65. Ty Summer, 63. Curtis Bolton, 61. Not a lot of high ratings here, but I'm not sure you know who you're expecting to be much better from a rating standpoint here. Yeah, really. I mean, Chris, Christian Kirksey, I think if he's on the field for a full season, that'll help his cause to get towards that 80 or at least sniff it. One of those four guys, Martin Burke, Summers, or Bolton, has to be able to contribute in real life and in Madden that should reflect that. I think they're all they they do they do what the Packers want. I don't think they incorporate all the skills that they would have ideally at that inside backer or that, that hybrid backer position, but I can't complain. I mean, I actually kind of forgot about Ty Summers and Curtis Bolton a little bit, but 
I, I'm optimistic that one of these four will make a push to actually help contribute with Christian Kirksey in the middle to somehow slow down a run game because that's what I'm really worried about right now. Uh, would certainly be a nice development. All right, quarterback, I have Jair Alexander as an 89. Kevin King as a 72, which should be higher, but they just have not put a ton of love on his name. Um, Josh Jackson, a 70. Chandon Sullivan, a 70. Kadar Hallman, 66. And then I filled one more spot. Um, I think they could go a couple different ways here. Um, I I have a feeling they're going to want to put at least six corners on the roster. So I put Stanford Samuels. I put him as a 59. Um, Usually they're not too kind to undrafted free agents, but um, that's where I kind of had things shake out there. I like it. I feel like Kevin King, that 72 is disrespectful, but as you said, they haven't really showed him much love, but he had a fantastic year last year for someone that's been injury prone. I like Jair. I think 89 is fun because it's like gives him a, I don't know. I don't know how much motivation Jair Alexander needs. I don't think his Madden overall rating will uh, help that, but I would be cool to see him get up in the nineties. I think it's very attainable. Everyone else I'm pretty cool with. Stanford Samuels, 59. Like, I would like to see that into the 60s. I'm super jacked on Stanford, Stanford Samuels. I think he is has a very high ceiling, uh, similar to a Sam Shields situation. He's he's a player I'm watching out for and to at least try to make an impact uh, wherever it be in any phase of uh, the game. You know, the Pack-A-Day podcast is always good for, like, a random undrafted free agents that, you know, somebody gets on board with. Um, I know Andrew was really big on Kendall Donerson. Um, I, of course, had the the Tim Boyle love. Um, Zach Jacobson for a while was really high on the, the Raven. I think he's still very high and, and rightfully so on the Raven Green. But when he was an undrafted free agent, like, we, we've been on top of the undrafted free agents here at the podcast. So are you putting the official Matt Fralick stamp of approval on Stanford Samuels? You're going to go all in and carry the banner for Stanford as the as the preseason and, and the season rolls along absolutely if you're going to give me the opportunity to say that for sure i've been like i'm not kidding since they signed him that day back in april i was like San, sanford samuels the third is going to be the guy like i'm for sure and he's from fsu i'm kind of have a i'm a little biased towards the seminoles i think they're just a great historic program but yeah, give me the flag. I'll put it on top of the house, on the car. I will get multiple, whatever I got to do to to claim that. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Anyone can jump on board. Feel free. I should clarify, Kendall Donerson technically wasn't an undrafted free agent, but he was like the fifth last player drafted in the draft. So we're uh, basically the exact same thing for for Andrew. But uh, we've had we've had those type of players that we've uh, championed for in the past, um, including Curtis Bolton, who was also on the podcast. So uh, we've been on top of things and we've mostly had good success with those. They've each at least had a year with the team, uh, if not more. And uh, so we'll see if Stanford Samuels don't let us down. Matt, this is your name's on the line here. If Stanford doesn't make the team, uh, if he doesn't, uh, you know, at least perform up to uh, Tim Boyle, Raven Green uh, sort of expectations, this is on you. I'm totally fine with that. I, I expect him to get an opportunity, especially with Jerry Gray uh, as the new defensive back coach. All right, we're all in. Uh, let's go to safety. Uh, Adrian Amos, 85. Darnell Savage, 76. Raven Green needs to be higher, but I put him as a 64. He finished as a 60. I just don't know how much more love he's going to get. He needs, you know, he needs to get a lot more than what a 64 is. I'll say that. Um, Will Redmond, a 62. Vernon Scott, a 60. The Raven Green one's always weird to me because every year, and by every, it's by like two or three. I don't remember how long Raven Green's been on the team, but I look at the rosters and I'm like, why is he so low in Madden? I feel like when he's on the field, he's very productive. And I feel like Raven Green's one of those like slightly biased. If you watch the Packers all the time, you'll see him flash, but he's just not always out there. <clears throat> Adrian Amos, 85. 
I was that that was one I was kind of shocked by. There's a few others as I uh, you know mentioned before, but Adrian Amos, I I think he's closer to that you know 87 range like you listed in your in your article. Uh, I, I expect him to at least sniff the 90s later on in the season this way. But uh, a lot of improvement also for Darnell Savage. I'm I'm looking forward to his second year. Yeah, Savage should be hopefully in for a big second year, and hopefully that number skyrockets as the season goes along. All right, and that leaves us with special teams. Mason Crosby as an 80, J.K. Scott as a 75. They were basically swapped. Um, Crosby finished as a 77, and Scott finished as an 80. I think those two should be more flipped, but uh, I definitely think Crosby's season earned him a, a season that should be more in that 80 range. I think J.K. Scott's inconsistency may be more in that 75 range, but um, any major disagreements there? No, I kind of like it. Uh, generally, kickers and punters are very uh, drastic with their ratings, in my opinion. Uh, basically, at the end of the day, what's your kicking power? What's your kicking accuracy? Some of the really horrible overall rated punters are super low, but they have high kick power. That's awesome. Uh, J.K. Scott's probably one of them, but he's been inconsistent. Like you said, Mason Crosby's He's older, definitely isn't the kick power anymore. Probably one of the more accurate kickers in the video game, at least I would hope, year to year. But I think those are honestly spot on. I can't, I mean, maybe Mason a little bit higher just because he's a veteran. But I, I mean, like I said, drastic across the board for ratings and generally the Madden uh, attributes. Perfect. All right. Well, that does it for our ratings. That does it for a ton of Madden talk today. Um, any other uh, Madden topics you want to discuss before we get out of here or anything you want to plug on the way out? <laughs> Not really Madden related. Uh, if anyone ever wants to play, definitely hit me up on Xbox One, or I might be getting a new Xbox whenever it comes out, but definitely a Xbox Live user, Matt, F-R-A-24, the number 24. Pretty simple. Hit me up ever. Just hit me up on Twitter. Let me know. But uh, nothing really. Just waiting for the Madden to come down. Uh, obviously, check out Packaday podcast every other Tuesday with Janelle, myself, and Dan Kotnick. Check out PackersWorldwide.com. We have blogs, podcasts going on there. So that's been a really fun journey. And without Packaday, I wouldn't have actually been able to do that. So that's fantastic that way. But really, just kind of trying to get outside as much as possible right now. I hope everyone else is as well, being safe soaking up that at least wisconsin sun we don't get that often around here so uh, my packers content has uh, you know it's it's to where it needs to be but once the season starts we'll be back up and running but um it's been a uh, great coming on with you andy i really appreciate it. it's fantastic conversation and um of course hit me up on twitter as always at matt underscore fray underscore it's at m-a-t-t underscore f-r-a underscore yeah, I feel like we could have gone on a lot longer. We already went on for about an hour here, so uh, definitely a little bit longer than I had expected. But I think, like I said, you and I could have probably talked Madden for a few more hours if we wanted to, probably even longer than that. Um, the one I, I can get behind um, all of your Madden strategies that you've presented here today, the one that I cannot, uh, you know, in any way, shape, or form fathom or get over is the fact that you would be an Xbox guy over a PlayStation guy. It just it hurts my soul, Matthew, um, and we're going to have to have words about that. The fact that you use my full name, I can totally understand that you're upset about that now. And the only reason, again, goes back to my Madden competitive scene. So it used to be the it used to be PlayStation 2, as I mentioned. Then it transitioned to regular Xbox. I borrowed friends when that happened. Then it went to the competitive scene was traditionally Xbox 360 in the competitive scene. 
And then it went to Xbox One. Actually, it kind of split at that point, but I just kind of was a loyalist from the Xbox 360 days to that. But uh, I might jump ship. Who knows here in the next few months when we have the new systems coming out, which is going to be fun. I'm not as much of a loyalist to my console as I am now with just you know Madden dictating that. But, uh, you know, that... Let's let's not let uh, a choice of a video game system or a media system come between us, Andy. I think we could. I think we can work things out. We'll see. It, it's very painful to me, but we'll we'll see if we can get past those differences moving forward. Matt, this was amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. I greatly appreciate it. I appreciate all the work that you do on the Tuesday podcast with Dan and Janelle as well. Um, keep up the amazing work, and we love having you on the team. Uh, for those of you following us, make sure to follow on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Uh, make sure to check out an all-new episode tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. All right, Matt. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. I didn't mean for that to go so long, but holy cow. That was... No, it was fun. That was a lot of fun. Good. I'm glad. Um, yeah. Awesome. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, you bet. Uh, have a good week. I'm sure we'll talk soon. And uh, yeah, stay safe. You as well. Take care, buddy. Right. See ya. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.